iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. He's my younger brother. You gotta help oh me God. finish this. Taught him everything he knows. You don't want to see where this fight is headed. Turn it over. Bam. I'm still his trainer. I have a fight next week. And after I win, I'm gonna start making good money so you can live me more days, okay? Good luck, Daddy. Don't hold your breath, Casey. Bye, baby. You pave streets, right? Yeah, I do. And I'm a fighter. I heard you were a stepping stone. Oh, I mean, I had a few tough fights, but the next fight's gonna show who I am. Yeah, and he's gonna lose that one, too. So move that sugar ass and give it hey. a Don't disrespect her. Mickey Ward is 31 years old. He's here because he needs the money. Look at the size of that guy. He's got 20 pounds on me, Dickie. You don't fight, nobody gets paid. I'm quitting, Shelly. I'm done fighting. I don't need it anymore. It's sad that you let them take it away from you. I was embarrassed. I told everybody I was going to win that fight and get back on track. I'm sick of being a disappointment. Look, Mick, nobody's got heart like you. You're a very talented fighter. I want to give you a real shot. Make one last run at this thing before it's too late. What about my brother? He's taught me everything I know. I can't do it without him. With all due respect, he's too much trouble. Dickie, get on the ground right now! He's a fighter! Break his hand! Mick, I was doing it for you. You did right? it for me? Remember what, yes? Do me a favor, don't get nothing for me no more, okay? Ready for a title shot? Not a stepping stone anymore. He's using you. You can't be me. You had a hard enough time being you, and that's why you're in here. We're gonna train, they gotta go. Why am I the problem? I'm his blood, I'm his family. You're crazy. I'm the one fighting. Not you, not you, and not you. This is my shot at the title. I won't get another one after this. Mickey has a chance to do something that I never did, and he needs me. Okay. I see you in Mickey's corner. This is your time. I had my time and I blew it. You don't have to. You'll make it wide. You'll make it wide. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David O. Russell and this evening's guest moderator, David Schwartz from the Museum of Moving Image. Good evening. Um, welcome. I think there's a lot, a lot of David O. Russell fans in the um, audience tonight. He's been one of the most interesting American directors since he made... Oh, I'll, I'll sit down. You can sit. We can all sit down. Since he made um, Spanking the Monkey and Flirting with Disaster and Three Kings and I Heart Huckabees. And, uh, and this is just an incredibly dynamic piece of filmmaking. Um, so could you tell us about... Uh, what drew you to this? This is a film that seemed to really inspire you as a, as a filmmaker. It's such a um, dynamic uh, cinematography and editing and, and music and, and at the heart of these four amazing performances. It was the characters. Uh, my <clears throat> the characters, uh, it's a gift when you get characters that are real that are that amazing. It was a bleach blonde mother with seven bleach blonde daughters, all <laughs> true. And they're like a gang. And they manage these two sons who were fighters. And the redheaded bartender that Amy Adams plays, tough, tough woman, very strong women in the movie. Um, so it was the women characters and how the men characters kind of inter interacted with them. And they're just also really raw people. They, they, 
they have big hearts and they're roofers and road pavers. And they're really funny. They're as funny as they are tragic. You know, they know how to live. You know, they're very much alive. So that, it was all that stuff that I felt I had not seen before. You know, because there have been amazing boxing movies. So that was really the secondary part to me after the amazing characters. And the, one, the characters you just mentioned are all the women in the film. We don't usually think of women when we think of a boxing movie. Uh, <laughs> but I think the women make the men what they are in this picture. You know, I mean, and, and Mark Wahlberg carried the picture on his back for many years. He, this was a dream project for him. He's from this part of the world. He's from nine kids. This is a story about a real family with nine kids. He had an older brother, Donnie, who was his mother's favorite. So he, it's, it's practically, it's very close to him. And that gave us an entree to that world that's very real. And he saw Christian Bale at his daughter's preschool and realized he thought Christian was the best person to play it. But there were earlier versions. Darren Aronofsky was going to do it before he did The, the Wrestler. And um, that would have been a very different film um, and also a really good film, but a different film. So tell us about these two central characters, Mickey Ward, who Mark Wahlberg plays, and, and Dickie Edlin. The movie's called The Fighter. In a way, it could, that title could apply to to both of them, or either of them? Well, Dickie is a very charismatic guy. Um, he's, he's like the mayor of Lowell. He talks to everybody. He never stops moving. He's a very gifted fighter. He was born with talent. And like a lot of people who are born with talent, sometimes they don't respect it, or they don't... So he didn't have the heart or discipline that his younger brother did. So he was the hero of that town. And uh, then he became notorious. He was the hero for fighting Sugar Ray Leonard. And then he, they were making a documentary about him. HBO was. Which also, be, like, Lowell is famous because Betty Davis is from there, Jack Kerouac is from there, and these guys are like, are like the next famous thing from there. And um, the HBO documentary went from being a very heroic thing to becoming the first documentary made about crack in America because that's what was happening with his life. So it became the disgrace of the town. And that's a, we use that device of a movie within the movie yeah. because it's kind of tragic to see how he thinks it's this amazing thing that then becomes this disgraceful thing um i can't remember what question i was answering what, well we're oh, talking that's about Dickie, the, that's dicky <laughs> i guess I don't, yeah. what, what are we saying? well Ash, um, we're gonna talk but about he's a very charming guy for a crack guy, for a crackhead he was, he's like an amazing he's an amazingly charismatic person with a huge heart and he could smoke crack and train for 10 hours and like you know he'll he'll, he'll like go right from the gym he'll run five miles across town which he does in the movie, he'd forget what time the training, he was supposed to be training his brother, and then he's running across town, you know, in work boots, like not even in sneakers, like in road paving boots. You get a little taste of the real him in the movie um, after you see this incredible performance by Christian Bale. And um, I guess Mark Wahlberg's character is the one who's going off to, to fight, but um, there's like this real con interesting connection between the Melissa Leo's character and Christian Bale's. Melissa Leo is a great actress. She was in Frozen River, and, um, uh, and, and she's unrecognizable here. She's got her hair up, and it's all bleached. She's a great actress. She looks exactly like the real mother. Everybody in town thought she was the real mother. The, the, the funny thing is that that's what the dynamic of the movie is, because Christian, even though he was a crackhead, was still the star of the family and the star of the community, and he was not going to give it up to his brother. And the subtext of all of his shenanigans i think if there's a, a subtitle it says you can't have it hmm. it's still mine 
I'm, and if I just keep stirring drama up, I don't care. You can't have it. And that's what you always want it the most, I think, from the people who won't give it to you. So that's why it motivated his younger brother so much. Yeah. And um, and, and was was it, was this a hard film to get made? I mean, the, I, it was. It, it, apparently, it was years in the making, and then when it, when the shooting actually happened, it happened in a very intense way. Well, like I said, there were many incarnations of the film. I mean, there was one version where Brad Pitt was going to play the dicky <laughs> part. And um, they were going to make this film for like 60 million, more than $60 million, which seems kind of wild to me because we made it for 20 wow. and we only had 33 days to shoot it. So it was fast. Um, and we shot the fight scenes only in three days. So I liked it being fast, though. It made us be very focused. And how did you draw on the fact that you were working in Lowell? You actually used some of the people of the town as a... Um Mickey O'Keefe. Mickey O'Keefe, who plays the police police chief, is a real guy, right? The, the guy who was playing the trainer who was on the car. Yeah. The uh, guy, you know, he's 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 the real cop from Lowell who lived through all this, because it's a story of a guy who has a cop and a criminal in his corner, and they hated each other. Dickie and and Mickey O'Keefe hated it, still <laughs> do not like each other to this day, but Mickey got different things from both of them, so he wanted them both in his corner. And tell us about your work, um, your work with the actors. What was that like? I mean, if people haven't seen the film yet, they're going to see just four amazing performances and, and sort of different styles of acting. Mark Wahlberg is somebody who is very internal, soft-spoken. You, don't, you can't quite read him. With Christian Bale, you can definitely read, read him. <laughs> you definitely know what's going on. So what was it like working with these different actors? Uh, Mark, I always kind of compare him to like Spencer Tracy or John Garfield or James Cagney. And people here probably have no idea who any of those people are. <laughs> but, they're, but they're good people to look up. They're guys who are just kind of real. They're just real. And they, they bring that realness to most of what they do. But then, and so Mark kind of fit himself into Mickey Ward because it's very close to his heart. Christian completely transformed himself into this guy with the bald spot and the skinniness and... He's a very private person, Christian is. He's very quiet. And Dickie is never quiet. So it changed him. And, you know, and he had different teeth he put in. Dickie has terrible teeth because he would pull some of his teeth out to get drugs. That's a good way you can get drugs. You, you get a tooth pulled, you get some drugs. <laughs> um, and could you talk about Amy Adams? This is, this is also a wonderful performance. She plays Charlene, who's Mark Wahlberg's girlfriend. And she's sort of up against the family. You know, it's like her pitted against these... Eight women. <laughs> she, she, she was what helped Mickey, who's such a quiet person by nature. Mickey will never say anything negative about anybody. And it takes this really um, sexy, bitchy bartender played by Amy, who played completely against type. She was eager to shatter the enchanted typecasting that she had been put into, you know, from those movies. And... Uh, she she's very strong and she she helps him stand up to his family. This uh, you know there's been a bunch of movies sort of set in in you know near Boston or in Boston. This seems to really have uh, this seems to really be the real deal just in terms of the accents and the attitudes. It has such an authenticity, especially a Amy Adams. I mean she is is she from that area or is she just a great actress? She's just a great actress. Yeah. We all, we all followed Mark's accent because when he did the departed he didn't like that the accents there were like 10 different boston accents in the movie and so i just said everybody should just follow mark's lead huh. you know because he he so we don't do more or less than that right okay um i'm just going to ask you about the 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 boxing scenes in the film then we'll open it up for questions from the audience but 
that's also the real deal. I mean, we see um, these are not sort of the type of elaborately, artfully choreographed fight scenes we've seen in some movies. This, this, you, you really feel like you're watching some painful boxing going on. Well, we only had three days to do it, so that meant we shot at HBO, we hired an HBO crew to do the fights, uh, which means they have six cameras. We had them use the very cameras they had in 1990 because it's a period movie, which is kind of a weird beta, and it makes it look kind of a little bit rougher and different. And um, we couldn't do it shot for shot, so I was kind of choreographing eight cameras actually on monitors to make sure I got the shots that I needed. But Mark wanted to choreograph whole sections of Mickey's fights. And then we took the actual commentary from those fights, because some of those fights are startling, like in terms of, they're, they're cinematic, if you just watch them on YouTube, like the Sanchez fight, because for six rounds, he's losing. He's a very slow starter. He's just like his personality. He's very quiet, he's a slow starter. And so for six rounds, that Larry Merchant and the announcers are just saying, what a bum he is, and that he should quit, and that it's just so sad people should get their money back. For six rounds, they're doing that. And then he, his, his patented punch is a body shot, which is very hard to land. It's very hard to knock somebody out with a body shot. And, I, and, and it's not that common in movies. And he had a, he, that was his punch. And he knocks this guy out, who was like the next Oscar de la Hoya, with one body shot. And the guy doesn't get up for 10 minutes. And the announcers have to eat their words like in two seconds, like that. And we couldn't get actors to reproduce that. So we just cut and pasted. We just used this, their actual commentary and put it right on the fight. Okay. Uh, did you get a sense for why Mickey fought like that? When you watch it, he just takes punch after punch. I mean, where did he get this style well, from? He, he, his, brother, his brother moves a lot and is like Muhammad Ali, but Mickey is like, takes five punches to give one punch. I do not know why he fights like that. That's oh. just his personality. Yeah. I mean, okay, so raise your hand if you have a question and the microphone will come your way. Down here. Hi, um, I was just wondering, how did the project um, come to you? How, yeah, how did you um, receive the project to make the, the movie? Well, there had been several scripts that Mark Wahlberg had been helping to develop over the years with the producers David Hoberman and Todd Lieberman, and uh, with Ryan Cavanaugh, another producer. They came to me after Darren went off to do The Wrestler, and they said, how would you do this? And Mark would call me every night from his uh, bathroom where he would watch... ESPN classics. I don't know, like that's where he would get away from his family or something. And he would go and he would call me and I started telling him different I told him that I thought the women should be more prominent, that I thought the drug story was a little bit went a long way. Because those get those I mean we've seen those. So I told him how I would change it and he he said, Well why don't you do it? And so we started talking about it and then went from there. Okay. Down here. Should we wrap it up? No, no. <laughs> um, I saw this film yesterday. Um, the Christian Bell, he loses a lot of weight on this, and uh, he also loses actually hair as well. Um, could you talk about the collaboration working with? Okay, Christian, Christian Bale. He's saying that Christian Bale seemed to have lost a lot of weight and a lot of hair. If you could talk about his preparation process for playing the playing Dickie. Uh, we Christian and I spoke about Dickie, and we knew that we both loved Dickie. That he's not that he's the heavy with Alice in the movie, but he's also a very lovable person. So we agreed about how lovable he is and and funny. He's charming, but then he just went off and did his thing. You know, I love the bald spot. I love the the, the receding hairline, 
Uh, he lost the weight, however he does that. And we, we talked a long time about the teeth because Dickie had two sets of bad teeth. One was the pre-prison set of bad teeth and one was the post-prison because prison, they gave him new teeth. Um, and that's the first thing his brother said when he came out and saw him for the first time. He said, oh, they gave you new teeth. So that's, I mean, that's, and he spent a lot of time with Dickie. Dickie and Mickey lived at Mark's house for, in Beverly Hills for three weeks. Um, and uh, we're training Mark and, and Christian and Mark and Christian both got to absorb their personalities. And uh, that's a great thing for any actor to have. It's a great, great thing. Um, I read that you, you left out the Arturo Gotti uh, fights. Could you just speak to that a little bit? I mean, obviously, it's, it's the theme of the family and all of that, and it looks fantastic, but certainly the Gotti fights were critical to and, and really made an impression on his career overall, so love to hear about that. If you, okay, if you could talk about the Arturo Gotti fights, that, how come we don't see those in the film? Yeah. Is that what you're... Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Arturo Gatti just died. This was murdered this last a year ago. He was a great fighter uh, from Canada. And this movie ends, the championship that Mickey ends at the end of this movie is what gave him the gateway to earn fighting Arturo Gatti, which gave him this real, the only real money he ever made. He still works as a teamster, Mickey Ward, but it gave him his house and he put some money in the bank. And they had three epic fights, which, you know, they're not the most, they're, they're real brawlers. You know, they smash it out. They're, they're insane f epic fights. They had three of them where they're so bloody and they keep going. So the reason we didn't do that is that we had to collapse a lot of time as it was. You know, we had to very economically establish that Dickie was a hero in the first five minutes, who he was by not going back in time, by just kind of economically showing you who he was in the town and using an HBO interview from the past to show you who he was with his mother. So to go into the future of Arturo Gatti, I guess it makes it much more of a, of a sports movie. And it also, like the journey, the real journey of climbing the mountain for me was for him to get that fight. Because if he lost the championship fight in England, that's the last fight in the movie, then he never would have fought Gatti. And that guy was really dissing him, that British fighter who had never been defeated, Shane Neary. He was always saying, um, I look forward to fighting Arturo Gatti. I think, I think Mickey Ward is beneath me. You know, um, anytime you do that, you're in trouble. You know, but he, so, so he said that, and then he never got to fight Gatti. You know, then, then Mickey inherited Gatti. Joe, is that you? What are you doing? <laughs> what I experienced to me? <laughs> in the movie yesterday was uh, really uh, the comeback of Mickey Ward. I thought that that was really what the audience was experiencing, was the comeback of, of him losing that fight that he shouldn't have took against Munjin because his brother was being selfish and, you know, really wanted to get a payday. Obviously, to, to you know for his crack habit and for his family. Um, and you can see the boxer's uh, fragile mental state after the fight. My question is, uh, you, you mentioned that the f uh, movie was made in 33 days. At the one scene I saw was um, after the fight, he was in a mirror and he showed his body how much weight he gained. And then you saw him uh, making the comeback and now he's shredded. 
how was he able to go from overweight to uh, six pack to for the comeback? Uh, we stopped. We finished shooting in 33 days, and Mark was very happy to start eating pizza and uh, and drink wine again, and and he, and. Uh, and then we were going to do he, they wanted to do some additional shots of the fights to get to get some single close-ups because I hadn't done any of those so he wanted so before they did that he said before I lose my weight again why don't you shoot me now while I'm fat and I said I don't believe you're ever fat you know I mean he was an underwear model I don't think he I'd say and his trainer said oh he's fat and when his trainer said that I was like wow really and he picked up you know he was kind of chubby down there you know and he and so we shot him you know, being fat for once for a couple scenes, and then and then he had to lose the weight again for those close-ups of the fights at the end. That's how we did it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> um, you were like uh, the first uh, to be involved with the uh, Ghetto Film School. Um, I want to know uh, how'd you come across the Ghetto Film School and like what motivated you to like participate. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Ghetto Film School is the first public high school for cinema, like the like the New York, the high school for the performing arts. But this is for cinema, and it's in the Bronx, and it is the brainchild of Joe Hall, who's sitting right there. Just maybe you want to stand up or something, or just wave your hand. Yeah, that's Joe from the Bronx, and uh, you know he created this school. And Mayor Bloomberg, I just came from the Bloomberg Building doing Charlie Rose over. That is like the Willy Wonka factory over there. Have you been? Have you been over there? <laughs> The ID, the, the thing, and they trace you through the building. It's like a lojack. They can just follow you everywhere. <laughs> I'm glad I gave it back then. But they, that building is so much fun. It makes you want to go to work. It's like this really, they have like a food court. Anyway, the reason I mentioned Bloomberg is because he's a big supporter of the school. <laughs> As the mayor, he loves the school. And so it's a, it's a high school for cinema. It's fantastic. It's in a new building. You should go visit it. It's fantastic. I mean... And they have a curriculum ba based around narr narrative filmmaking that, in all their classes. And kids have to be really good students to get in there. And they have to want it, you know, like any of the other magnet schools. And we're having our tomorrow night uh, premiere here in New York is uh, to benefit uh, the Ghetto Film School. And that will be on, on, on 23rd Street at the School of Visual Arts Theater. Is that where that is, Joe? Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Okay. Oh, uh, wait. Yeah. One well, do one more question, yeah. and then we'll okay. I think the Daranowski is executive, executive. You saw the Darren Aronofsky's executive yeah, producer. What happened? Do you want to know what happened? I was wondering what happened. Actually. What happened? That's like the Mickey O'Ke Mickey Ward of question askers here. <laughs> if it was Dickie, it would be like this. It'd be all loud. Um, Darren was going to make this movie, and he developed the screenplay with writer Scott Silver. And then he got, then he, they, it, they couldn't get it financed. It just kept banging around. Brad Pitt was going to do it. He wasn't going to do it. And so, and while, and then that was my good fortune because then uh, I had been making another project at that time. I was making a movie that didn't get finished um, during my rocky years. And um, so this ca came back to me. And so da and Darren saw the movie and really loved it. And he had a contractual uh right to claim executive credit and he, and he said he wanted his name on it so I, that made me feel proud that he wanted his name on it so thank you guys for coming okay. out thanks, thanks a lot for coming out thank, thank you. you sir thank okay. you <laughs>